We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Riggert. It's a pleasure to have you along. Had some time off last week and back into it this week. Last week, though, the Sun Belt did release our matchups for the inaugural Sun Belt MAC Challenge. As JMU, both women and men, will have some marquee matchups coming up next year as we uh, are still awaiting the full schedules for the 23-24 campaign. But let's talk a little bit about that and some other stuff with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record as he covers JMU basketball and, again, all the other sports as well. But, Shane, how are you, sir? Good. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing well. I appreciate you coming on as always. And as I was, I was in New York City actually last week and uh, getting some rest and relaxation. I guess, if you can up there in New York City, but <laughs> this this came out on Thursday and uh, some great matchups for JMU in, in the inaugural Sun Belt MAC Challenge. We'll start with the men. They get Kent State. The Golden Flash is a team that uh, got to the NCAA tournament a year ago. Always really good. That that should be a fun game coming up next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I'm sure we'll talk about the women too, like coming up. But like, I think both the men and the yeah. women, you look at it right now, probably got the best matchup out of this thing in the in the Sun Belt. And yeah, for the men, um, you, if you had to kind of predict it right now, I would think JMU, Kent State. You're looking at the teams that are probably the favorites in their conferences going into next year. I mean, obviously things can change between now and the start of the season, but um, yeah, I mean, I think the opportunity to go play them on the road, um, a game that doesn't hurt you too much. If you lose that one on the road, but it's an opportunity for, um, you know, a pretty solid victory. uh, If you can get that one, um, you know, just, you know, looking at the projections and Kent state, is hardly ever down very far in the Mac here uh, over the past decade or so. So, I mean, I would expect that to be a pretty solid game for Jamie on the men's side where they've had trouble scheduling opponents kind of of that caliber. Yeah, they have, and especially a road game early in the season. That that could go a long way. Again, if you lose it, it's probably not the end of the world. If you win that game, that could really help you down the road because I think they'll, they'll probably compete for a conference championship, and we'll see who they play the second time around when they play someone in February as well. But, you know, we talked about this when this happened, but this really is – a great thing for both the the Sun Belt and the MAC to have a couple of games every single year. It certainly helps in the scheduling and putting some pretty good teams on your schedule. But um, I'm guessing Mark Byington, and he said last year that he loves this, but this really does help a ton. Yeah, and I think you mentioned the February game too. Like, and it also, by the time that comes around, you really have an opportunity where you know for sure no you're question. getting kind of the the caliber of game you deserve so to speak as far as you know how they match those teams up based on their net rankings and stuff you know i i, I expect like i said kent state really doesn't ever like fall very far they always have a winning record they're usually 20 wins or better team usually competing for the mac but um i mean you can look at you know i think they tried to schedule a similar game to this last year when they went on the road to play buffalo and then buffalo ended up being down um and, and they'll play buffalo again this year at home but um. Yeah, so you never know exactly how these things are going to work, and I think that February game ends up being even, maybe even bigger, yeah. as far as like trying to boost that streak of schedule and have some good wins. But, um, you know, conference wide that is. But you know, I I really expect this to be a good one for JMU early in the season, um, playing a team that's always pretty good. And they used to have those bracket buster games. They took they went went away with those, but that's kind of what the February game is going to turn into. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, it's set up for um, just between these two conferences. The, the old bracket buster that was 
you know, a cool thing. Uh, ESPN was behind it. And then they can match up teams from just about any conference. Um, but, yeah, this is going to be a very similar style. And you would think, you know, you just go back and look over the past few or, you know, go back to last year. If you to put, you know, a Southern Miss or a Marshall against a Kent State late in the season, that'd have been a big game and it would have been something that would have helped both conferences and that's what they're trying to do this year, um, to get, you know, really, you know, three to four of those types of games uh against good teams where you know, if if the Sun Belt can once again produce, you know, three to four top one hundred teams, maybe have one even one or two in the top seventy five and the Mac does the same, then these conferences have really helped themselves out by playing these games. Yeah. We're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Records. We continue talking some uh, scheduling for basketball. As again, the Sunbelt Mac Challenge games were announced last week. At least the first games were, and we'll find out in January about the games in February. And some other scheduling news here and there. Let's stick with the, the Sunbelt Mac Challenge. Should be a great game in Harrisonburg for the JMU women as they take on a Toledo team that was uh, won 29 games a year ago. They made the NCAA tournament, knocked off number five seed Iowa State in the first round. So uh, this they were a team very similar to what James Madison was a year ago. Go. That should be a great game early in the season uh, here at the Atlantic Union Bank Center. Yeah, I mean it's it's I think a matchup of similar programs, like you said. Mm-hmm. You know, Toledo, they were able they they got one seed higher in the NCAA tournament than JMU, and I think that probably helped them uh, have that advantage where they weren't playing they were playing an actual neutral site game and were able to knock off uh, uh, Iowa State. You know, JMU, everybody. Um, listening to this probably remembers that they were they were leading by I think 16 yeah. <laughs> or 14 or something right. against Ohio State. So I mean they were really competitive before you know kind of running out of gas a little bit. That so you just look at the the results from last season. Um, these teams appear to be a couple of programs at very similar place right now. Um, and like I said about the men's side, like there's a probably the teams that are going to go into the season as the favorites in their conference, and uh, they get they get to test themselves uh, very early in this one. Yeah, no question. Uh, that'll, that'll be fun. Again, we'll talk much more. Again, these are early games, too. Again, the first week, too, in, in uh, November. So these are very early games. We'll find out a lot early in the season about both those teams. We're talking to Shane Metlin again from the Daily News Record, talking some basketball. Some of the scheduling came out last week. And I'm excited because I might get to go to Cancun with the men. <laughs> Yeah, that should be fun. Uh, I think mean, Corey's probably going to go with the women, too, so you guys will have a have a good time down there, I think. And I had heard about the, the women going to Cancun, but now all of a sudden uh, it looks like, uh, again, you, you got the Rocco Miller report that the Dukes will be on the men's side of that Cancun challenge in a bracket with Southern Illinois, Fresno State, New Mexico State. That's going to be a little bit different than their event last year in Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, that one did not really work out for them no. uh, the way they hoped. I mean, I think there were maybe some issues with the way that uh, whole whole operation was run when it came to uh, when it came to setting up that tournament. Um, it does have some similarities to that uh, Savannah tournament as far as like it having a couple of different brackets mm-hmm. involved. Right. But you, you know, you mentioned the JMU is going to be on the side with Southern Illinois, Fresno State, New Mexico State. Um, it's, I mean, it's a list of like mid majors that have, you know, very solid history. Uh, you know, New Mexico State, uh, they had you know, all kinds of uh, issues last yes. year. So it's basically a completely different team coming in. But um, you think they have a chance to probably rebound? Um, and you know, the way I understand it, I think JMU is probably going to start with Southern Illinois 
uh, in a semifinal of that tournament. So, um, you know, that should be a pretty another pretty solid game. That's a program that's usually pretty competitive in the yeah, uh, Missouri Valley. And again, they get a they get an on campus game part of that too. They get a, an interstate rival in Radford, right? Yeah, that's what that's what I've heard so far. Um, uh, I don't know if that's you know one hundred percent right uh, set, but um, that I think seems to be the plan right now is they'll have the on campus game and it's supposed to be Radford. Um, so that that works out, I think, for uh, everybody. And I mean, that honestly, you know, the way. Radford's off season's gone. Absolutely. That may be the toughest game of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think right. uh, JMU should advance. They advance to the semifinals regardless of what happens in that home game. But um, you know that that uh, on campus game, you know, maybe one of the toughest ones. If you look at Radford's probably probably one of the favorites with UNC Asheville mm-hmm. in the in the Big South. So um, you know they they've recruited really well this off season. And again, they they had a good year last year. Is that they, yeah. they had a new staff that that was their second year, and they're doing some good things down there. Um, they're also the you mentioned this in your article that the JMU men are also owed home games from Buffalo, Cop, and State Howard because they went on the road last year against those teams. Um, may go on the road to go play at Long Island and Hampton. Are those going to take place? Do you know if those are going to take place for sure? Um, I think that those are pretty much set with the contract. Okay. Um, you know, the, I haven't heard for 100% sure, but right. I, I haven't also heard that, you know, those were changing and those were originally uh, scheduled to be, you know, home and homes for this year. So uh, for last year and this year. So, you know, unless somebody needed out of that game for this year, right. um, I don't think so. But I, I know the new JMU is like, for instance, uh, I've talked to, you know, Mark and some other people about, you know, going to play the Long Island game where they're going to play against, you know, Terrell Strickland and everything. <laughs> right. that, that's, that's definitely supposed to be happening. And, <laughs> Good. Um, That'll yeah. be fun. And, and, and I have heard for sure that, you know, Buffalo's coming to, to JMU. Good. Yeah. Again, this schedule is going to be a lot different than it was a year ago when we first saw it a year ago and there was some, some eyes that were, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but it'll be different coming up this season and we'll see what else happens. There could be some high majors that they try and play as well. So again, have you heard anything else as of right now about the schedule? Uh, you know, I've, like you said, I think they will probably go on the road to play at least one or two high majors. And, you know, you start to look at it now, um, the dates are kind of filling up, right, they uh, are. these turn the tournament, the, the Mac challenge, the games that we know about that takes up the vast majority of, uh, if they get say two high major road games to, uh, right. bring in a little money that, that fits the majority of the thing. So I don't think you have to worry about, uh, suddenly getting saddled with three non-division one games like they did last year, um, which kind of happened just because of, uh, you know, teams backing out and things like that. It doesn't seem like they're going to be in that position this time. Yeah, it it does not. We're talking with Shane Metlin again from the Daily News Record talks and some JMU basketball scheduling on the women's side. They're going down to Cancun as well. And they get Michigan State and Montana State, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Michigan State, I think, is a program that struggled a little bit in, in the Big Ten, but, you know, still it's a big getting a chance, to play, getting <laughs> a chance to play a name brand like right. that is always going to be good. And Montana State's a, you know, really good mid-major program, too. Any any news on their scheduling for this year as well on the women's side? Uh, you know, not as much. I've heard that they're pretty close to, uh, to um, you know, kind of nailing it down, mm-hmm. have something to announce. Uh, you know, they, they're working on um, – you know, a variety of things. I think, you know, they want to try to play similar to the men. I mean, the, the whole goal for the Sun Belt right now is, you know, get yourself some home games that you're going to win. Um, but then on the on the flip side of that, Sean O'Regan, where 
his program's always been, you know, in a better position. They've been close to being able to get in that large bit at times and things like that. So, he, I mean, I think he kind of likes the way he's always scheduled, challenging themselves, really getting prepared for the uh, conference season. Um, so I think they'll play – I think they'll play a tough schedule once again. Um, you know, they've, they've tried to set up some, uh, get some high major teams to come in. And I think, I think we'll probably hear something about that pretty soon, but I don't know the exact details. Yeah, no doubt. Again, we're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. We'll talk more about that as, as some of those details come out. We'll probably talk some basketball, I'm sure. Those, those kids are on campus now getting back after it, and we'll get a chance to uh, to talk to those guys here pretty soon, I'm sure. But another story you wrote about was former Jamie Point guard and ex-Harrisonburg High School coach Pierre Curtis is getting his first chance at the Division One level with a women's job for Furman. Tell me about Pierre Curtis a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jamie fans definitely remember him um, as – you know, they were down years, a lot of them, uh, at JMU when he played, but he was kind of a bright spot as far as, you know, uh, what he was doing at the point guard position. He he was basically a starting point guard kind of for the transition from Dean Keener to Matt Brady. Um, so he, he played for a couple different coaches at JMU. I think, you know, probably considered leaving at one time during the uh, coaching change and stuck it out and ended up graduating. JMU was uh, – you know, scored 1,200 points, all-time leader in assists when he graduated. Uh, just, you know, a really good player and somebody I think probably those who were around Harrisonburg when he was playing probably weren't too surprised to see him get into coaching because, you know, he kind of connected with a lot of those people. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, you know, his men's staff um, kind of turned over while he was here, and he talked to me on the phone the other day just about how much um, – you know, even through that kind of upheaval, it was Kenny Brooks over on the women's side of things that kind of became his mentor as far as like getting into coaching and everything. That's and cool. part of the reason he's on the women's side of coaching right now is because of that relationship with Kenny Brooks, that's, who obviously now is at Virginia Tech. Right. Yeah, that's that's cool. Again, I, he's going to take over the Furman job, and we'll keep an eye on, on Pierre Curtis, a former Duke and also head coach of the Blue Streaks as well. So we talked to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. And, you know, we've talked to, to Noah quite a bit about football, and, and I will this week as, to, as well. But, boy, a ton of recruits on campus, obviously, with, uh, with camps and everything going on right now. They're getting a lot of commitments for that 24 class. Um, a kid like Jaja Boyd is a four-star kid that uh, maybe could pick James Madison. We'll find out here in a few days. But um, recruiting has gone very well for football here recently recently too yeah it has and um you know as much as the sunbelt move kind of drove things south in a lot of ways you know they're they're obviously still recruiting virginia very hard they're doing well in the carolinas and you know you you hear about the coaches being down in georgia and florida and everything but it's really standing out right now how many kids from pennsylvania are you know consistently coming to visit JMU and then they're getting commitments from that kid, those kids after they, they get on campus. And, you know, it, it kind of makes sense when you look at the geography of how FBS is set up and, you know, it's a short drive from a place like Harrisburg PA or even Philadelphia and they're getting kids from that area. And uh, it would be very interesting to see if that continues. Cause like you said, you know, Jaja Boyd, um, another PA kid um, would be huge if they could land him and it's looking pretty good right now and um you know the Irby twins also from Harrisburg mm-hmm. uh I think they have a good shot of getting a couple of those guys um you know later on I think July 14th to date for them to announce the <laughs> commitment so 
uh, if that Pennsylvania pipeline continues to flow, this is looking like a really good class for JMU. Well, you think about the the Pittsburgh pipeline with with uh, Mike Shanahan and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean Coach Signetti was yeah, there. I mean, I mean they're, Tino they're Ciceri. not even having to go back. I mean, obviously they've got some guys from Western PA, but right, don't have you to know, go that far. They're not even having to go back kind of to that home area too. Like they're really, <laughs> you know, you just start to look at the recruiting classes from the last year, last year and this year, you know, Philadelphia and Harrisburg are like Mm -hmm. really becoming like prime spots for JMU right now. Yeah, no question. We're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. And one thing I want to ask you about too is a little update. Um, The Montpelier Collective, we've talked about that and there's some questions out there. Um, I know you talked with Cliff Wood, who's the head of that, and he says that the group's tax advisors think that donations to that collective should be tax deductible, but it could, I mean, it could change. There's some, there's a little gray area right there now, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, they, it's really strange because, you know, they, they were approved for that five oh after a month long, basically application process and going back and forth and everything, they got the go ahead from the IRS. You are 501 C3, which means, you know, a nonprofit, charitable organization and that was literally like a week or two before then that memo from the irs like right hey collectives <laughs> might not be like so it's just so like i can understand it going either way but it's really like i gotta I think gotta be frustrating for the people involved when you know it it's really like just a matter of days between getting one piece of news and another piece of news that seem to contradict each other uh, so, um, but yeah, right now they, they are officially a 501 C3, uh, nonprofit organization, which means like, you know, if you file your tax return right now, you should be able to use that as a deduction, but they do want to kind of warn people that, you know, that could change. So, you know, just keep in mind that, <laughs> you know, that it could change, something could change, <laughs> uh, as you, as you decide to make your decisions is what you're going to do with the, these donations. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's a wild, a wild, the whole collective, the whole NIL thing is still, uh, everybody's trying to figure it all out. Yes, <laughs> and, uh, you no know, doubt. this is just another example of how, uh, you know, from the IRS to the NCAA to the schools themselves, everybody's kind of learning on the fly what the what this all means. It's an ever-changing landscape, that's for sure, in college athletics. Yeah. All right, let's end with this. There was a graphic that came out. You put out a question as there was a kid that committed to, to Charlotte, and uh, he had cookout and Bojangles on his graphic where he committed. <laughs> So you put the question, if, you're, if your school is going to fit two fast food joints into your commitment graphic, what would they be? I'm going to ask you, what would your two fast food joints be? Uh, I don't know. Are we talking about for Harrisonburg? They don't, have, <laughs> they don't necessarily have anything that's like a, a local tradition for Harrisonburg. I don't know. You see the line at Chick-fil-A yep. every time you drive on uh, 33, so I think you probably have to put that on there for JMU. <laughs> uh, um, you know, maybe – there's not a lot of steak and shakes around here, no. but there's one on campus, so that might be like the good selling point for uh, for JMU. What, okay, what about one. for you? If if it's if you're committing somewhere and you want two fast food joints on, what do you want on there? Uh okay. Well, you and I we're both uh, Midwestern, uh-huh. so I don't know what you think about Whataburger, but when okay. I was in Pensacola for uh, the for the um, <laughs> Sunbelt basketball tournament, I ended up beating there, I think three times because like, <laughs> we don't have them around here. So right. that would be a big, that would be a big drawing point. If there was a, a Whataburger a <laughs> uh, near school, I was looking at, I think. That's funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> d- were you a Culver's fan in the Midwest? 
What was that? Culver's. Did you eat at Culver's ever? Uh, some, yeah. I, I went to school, yeah, in Lawrence, Kansas. There was one there. Okay. Um, yeah. That, that is a restaurant I miss out here. And w- when we were in North Carolina a few weeks back, they had a Culver, so we had to stop. So there's a few from the Midwest that uh, aren't out here that I still miss. But it, you can't really go yeah. wrong with, like, Chick-fil-A and Chipotle, probably on a graphic either. Yeah. We, <laughs> would you have runs on there? I, yeah, I would have runs on there. I would definitely have runs on there. There is no doubt about yeah. that. You got that right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, I just had a buddy actually test, text me not long ago from Runza trying to rub it in that I don't have it. So there it is. Yeah, and and most people have no idea what we're talking about. Google Runza, yeah. R-U-N-Z-A. Google that, and then you'll you still won't understand, but you'll be closer. So there you go. Shane, thanks so much for your time, man. I appreciate it as always. We'll talk again soon. All right, thanks, Dave.